0: You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Let them go. Chapter 14. A haunting decision. Rebecca dove in to roll her mother over.
1: I need the doctor. Get across to Ballard Street. Go to the end of this one, then turn right and jog down. and, And I have to go. You wait with her.
0: And before he could protest, Rebecca had bolted from the back door and Rafe was left with a woman he had briefly met earlier that day, now in a state of grave illness. He found himself heaving Jane up into a chair and kneeling beside her.
2: Can you speak, madam?
0: He asked, looking into her unfocused eyes. The left-hand side of her face, including her jaw, was drooping, and Rafe fought to contain rising panic.
2: I... I'm going to get you a glass of... lemonade. You just stay right there.
0: His hands shaking, he rushed out into the darkened shop and retrieved a fresh bottle, finding a glass in the small kitchen area.
2: I promise I'll pay you back for this.
0: He poured her a little. She could not grip, so he held her hand. And she could not swallow easily, so he fed her in tiny sips. Her right eye finally connected with him, and she slurred. Where's my daughter? She's gone to get the doctor. She's a good girl.
2: I know. She's the very best.
0: He patted her shoulder gently, until Rebecca burst back in, dragging a middle-aged man with glasses and a medical bag. Rafe was ushered to one side while the doctor administered, and Rebecca paced like a caged tiger. Finally, she turned to him. You should go, she said flatly. I can stay and help.
1: No. Go.
0: Rafe studied her face. It was fierce, determined, and riven with fear.
2: If that is what you wish of me, I do.
0: So he went. The next few weeks were a nightmare. Amanda came back to visit for a short while, and they spent the first evening crying until both felt entirely empty. Dr. Gibbs had diagnosed Jane with apoplectic paralysis, which had rendered her left side barely movable. Their father declined to return from the Sudan, but sent telegrams of approval when their mother was finally able to transition from her bed to a bath chair. Amanda left once more for Geneva. And Rebecca attempted to restore normality, reopening the shop and keeping her mother close so that she could manage the day to day care at the same time. Soon she would rationalize the value of hiring Polly to assist her. Her mother was still there, inside, though there were periods of confusion and bewilderment where neither recognized the other. But that closeness between them returned, and if anything, the bond of love intensified. It was a matter of taking things slowly, something that was not in Rebecca's nature. The most challenging aspect was the constant weighing up of Jane's frustrations against her own. Then one morning, after that first horrendous fortnight had passed, Rafe Culver stepped into her shop once more. His demeanour appeared kind and concerned. And Rebecca noted that Jane gave a lopsided smile of recognition as they passed through towards the back door.
2: I'm very glad to see she's recovered,
0: he said, as they stood in the shadow of the overhead railway bridge.
1: She isn't really recovered. Things aren't back to normal. They're much harder now, but I can cope.
2: I got the accountancy job. I start in a week.
1: I'm happy for you.
2: Listen, we barely know one another, and that's something I would really like to change. Hmm. Your father isn't here, and normally I would speak to him about this. Oh. And I could speak to your mother if you prefer. But really, you're the one who has governance over your decisions. You've made that clear enough.
0: His body was trembling with adrenaline, which he suppressed admirably. Wait. He drew from his inner breast pocket a small maroon velvet bag.
2: This belonged to my grandmother.
0: Now? And with that, he began to descend to one knee, his eyes earnest and hopeful.
1: Have you the faintest idea what you're doing? I think so. Did you not hear me the other week? If I marry any man, this shop is forfeit.
2: I would give it to you.
1: It's not up to you. It's the law. Now please get up and stand before me. I won't have you kneeling.
2: This is not my begging you, Rebecca. I'm just doing what I always thought I was supposed to do.
1: Well, don't. My life now is not something I want to share. I'm up all night. I can't rest for a moment in case she needs me. But I can cope. I can do this if you will all just let me.
2: I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying I will help you.
0: At this, Rebecca turned and buried her face in her palms.
2: Every man I know has married because he must. And I dare say every woman you know. Would it be such a dreadful impropriety if we, just once, married because of love?
1: Oh, love. At first sight, is it?
2: As a matter of fact, Rebecca, yes. But I thought, let's not lose our heads here. Let me talk to this woman. Find out who she is. Then my mind can converse with my heart and we can decide on the best course of action.
0: He put the bag back in his pocket.
2: This was a mistake.
1: Unquestionably.
2: No, I mean I should have waited until I was working in town. Called in to see how you were getting on. Gotten to know you that way. Then I might verify if these feelings are based on something real. Instead I rushed here. Half out of some foolish, youthful pride at securing some standing in life. And half out of concern for your well being. (sighs) I should have waited, and I am sorry. So, if you will allow me in future, may I call in again? You might perhaps be in better spirits with some rest and adjustment, and I may be less of a fool myself.
0: Rebecca's expression softened, and she crossed the space between them.
1: I am sorry.
0: She reached up to touch his face.
1: You are cut from far better cloth than I just accused you of. And I would dearly like to see what might exist between us. But it is an avenue I cannot pursue. I wish you all the joy in the world.
0: And with that, she turned and went back inside her shop.
1: they crying
0: Said Jane as Rebecca passed by her cosy, newly appointed sitting room. Oh, Mama, Rebecca said, wiping her own face fiercely as she sat down in the adjacent chair.
1: I'll be all right.
0: Jane extended her usable right hand to gingerly embrace her daughter. If there's one thing I can make a girl cry, it's
2: a boy. Do you want to talk about
0: it? No. Sighed so, Rebecca.
1: This one is over.
0: But it wasn't. Three years later. Amanda's carriage pulled up and she burst forth, her face a picture of purest excitement.
1: So what's this surprise you have to show me?
0: Rebecca asked from the shop doorway. Amanda obligingly dragged from the carriage, a tall young man with curly chestnut hair, familiar boots, and a few more scars than when she had last seen him. Their eyes met, and for the briefest of moments all was right with the world. Rafe had not returned to Bristol after that first incomplete proposal, She had not seen him about town, and he had apparently declined the accountancy position. As the months and years ebbed by, she had dreamed of that instantly regretted decision over and over, and at each turn in her sleeping mind, whenever she tried to give an answer contrary to the one she had laid down, something terrible happened to snatch them apart. And now, against all probability... Amanda had somehow found him for her and brought him back to put things right. And here he stood, her Rafe. She looked into his eyes and saw that familiar sorrow and concern. And Amanda held up a sparkling engagement ring. Rebecca's heart broke in two. She managed to contain and compose herself A feat of control which took a few seconds, the nature of which was not lost upon Rafe. Rebecca smiled brilliantly and embraced her sister.
1: My darling, I am so happy for you. He is taking an accountancy position in this very town,
0: Amanda gushed.
1: And we can move into Blackthorn until we have a place of our own. That is, if you're happy to have us.
0: Her face was concerned as she spied multiple conflicting emotions boiling up much as Rebecca might hide them.
1: Of course you must stay at Blackthorn, it is as much your home as mine.
0: Rebecca cried out. Then she turned to the gentleman.
1: And this is my new brother-in-law to be, she said. Sir, might I have the pleasure of your name?
2: My name is Rafe Culver, he said tightly, and I am so sorry to hear of your mother's passing. Truly, I am.
1: Come on in. I shall close up early.
0: Later, in the garden at Blackthorne, Amanda left the two of them to get acquainted while she went to find a favourite book to read her fiancé. Rebecca turned to Rafe, a dangerous glint in her eye.
1: I trust the story behind this little coincidence is phenomenal in its telling.
2: First of all, and I swear this upon the grave of my grandmother... Whose
1: ring she's wearing...
2: That I had no idea of the connection between you two until... Until I was already enamoured of your sister. She was introduced to me as Amanda, the goddaughter of Isabel Mayweather, at a gathering in Kensington Gardens six weeks ago.
1: Six weeks, and already engaged. You're slowing your pace.
2: We got to know one another, and I find her enchanting. I have every intention of making her happy for the rest of her life. Don't misunderstand my intentions here, Rebecca. I
1: suppose you were fated to be bound to this family.
2: I considered that possibility, yes. Yes. Like it or not, this does seem an alarming coincidence, but I spent three years as a soldier watching my companions die, watching the people of the countries we occupied die, by our hands. It was a pretty poor turnout for the explorer in me. I decided to feed the accountant instead. I supposed fewer would meet their end because of me and more might benefit.
1: And to be an accountant, you just have to be married to a Wolverton girl, is that it?
2: I was under the impression your name was Havisham. And by the time I found out, it was too late. I considered ending the engagement there. But I stopped listening to my heart and started listening to my good sense instead. Amanda is the brightest, most imaginative of ladies. She's going to be a writer of renown, provided she has sufficient encouragement and opportunity. So I have elected to give her that opportunity. Do you love her? Yes.
1: Good. Are you in love with her?
2: One thing I shall never do with you, Rebecca. One thing I have never done is lie to you. The answer is no. I have been in love with another for years, though she is not in love with me. Which leaves that feeling nowhere in particular.
1: She... I... Why didn't you come back?
2: You told me not to. I abided by your wishes.
1: I found it.
0: Amanda called out from a hundred yards away, emerging from the back door of Blackthorn House.
1: If you cannot lie to me, lie to her. She must never know. Agreed. You must give her the best life you possibly can.
2: I will. Can you please, in kind, learn not to hate me?
1: I could never hate you.
0: She was in the hallway, her back to Amanda's door again, and aching in the cold. Hours and hours had drawn by while she had sat there, passing in and out of consciousness. It was by no means the first time she had thought back to that period in her life, but it was the first occasion she had allowed herself to painstakingly examine the events in order. Doing so had left her displaced and bewildered, and the terrible occurrences of the night crept back over this boundary of older memories an intruder to her history. Rebecca gingerly picked herself up to stretch the pain and stiffness out of her arms and legs. The keys jangled, now tied to the knapsack with a short length of cord. Glancing down at the silver one as she retrieved the now dwindling candle from the floor beside her, she considered for a long moment as she held the flame close to the keyhole of the master bedroom. Before she could decide, a sound which Rebecca had been dreading filtered up to her from the lower floor. You have been listening to the New Century Multiverse, Let Them Go, Episode 14, A Haunting Decision. Written, narrated and directed by Alexander Shaw Rebecca Wolverton performed by Sharon Shaw Rafe Culver performed by Spencer Lieb Amanda Wolverton performed by Theo Lee Jane Wolverton performed by Maureen Foley Dreamlike, Sapphire Isle, Parting of Ways, Reverie and Vanishing Composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com Many soundscapes provided by Tabletop Audio. New Century is funded by our kind, generous supporters on Patreon. You people make the shows happen. And our $15 tier gets a named sponsorship credit on every episode. So a major thank you to Joel Robinson, Abel Savard, Kevin Otero, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Sarah Montgomery, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Lush, Dan Meyer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron LeCluze, David Garcia Abril, Kieran Datchler, and Lorraine Chisham. Both of Rafe's parents always found Amanda a little strange. She had given his mother, June, nightmares with a story she once told in polite company. That is hard to forgive for some, but Rafe defended his new wife to the hilt.